Welcome to Flourish. I'm Diane Planadan, and you're in the right place if you're ready to create an inspired life. And we do so by working on our own personal development so we can be strong role models for those we love and mentor and strong for our own personal well-being. Today, we continue our journey on the molecule of more and that magical drug we all have inside of us called dopamine. It's ruthless and it wants to reach its goals and it'll do whatever it takes. So this chapter is all about domination. How far will you go? Desire dopamine makes us want things. It is a source of raw desire. Give me more. But we're not at an ungoverned mercy of our desire. We also have a complementary dopamine circuit that calculates what sort of more is worth having. It gives us the ability to construct plans, to strategize, and dominate the world around us to get the things we want. How does a single chemical do both things? We are in the cups of the molecule of more uh, international bestseller from Dr. Daniel Lieberman and Michael Long, and it is a fascinating read. I can't read the whole book verbatim, but I'm going to give you a summary. So how does this do this? How does dopamine? do two things, right? Dopamine moves through different brain circuits, yielding different functions and toward a common end, a relentless focus on enhancing the future. It is called a control circuit because its purpose is to manage the uncontrolled urges of desire dopamine, to take that raw energy and guide it toward profitable end. Also, by using abstract concepts and forward-looking strategy, it allows us to gain control over the world around us and dominate our environment. And when I talk about environment, I'm talking about our external world that impacts our behavior. It's not necessarily just nature. It's everyone around you. Maybe pushing those buttons, right? Let's continue. In addition, the dopamine control circuit is a source of imagination. It lets us peer into the future to see the consequences of decisions we might make right now, and thus allows us to choose which future we prefer. Choice. Finally, it gives us the ability to plan how to make that imaginary future a reality. Like the desire circuit, which only cares about things we do not have, controlled dopamine works in the unreal world of the possible. The two circuits begin in the same place, but the desire circuit ends in part of the brain that triggers excitement and enthusiasm while the control circuit goes to the frontal lobes, a part of the brain that specializes in logical thinking. In this way, both circuits give us the capacity to consider phantoms, things that don't physically exist. For desire dopamine, those phantoms are things we wish to have but don't have right now, things we want in the future. The control dopamine is the parent driving the car, deciding if they're going to give in to their children's here and now desire to stop for that special treat or keep driving home and make a nutritious meal. (laughs) Who's in control, right? (laughs) Control dopamine takes the excitement and motivation provided by desire dopamine evaluates options, selects tools, and plots a strategy to get what it wants. 
control dopamine. Dopamine encourages us to maximize our resources by rewarding us when we do so. The act of doing something well, of making a future better, safer place, gives us a little dopamine buzz. So control's not necessarily a bad thing, right? And hmm, as part of the domination, it also gives us our tenacity. Yeah, the tenacity. Success takes years of hard work and so many revisions to the original idea that it's barely recognizable by the time it gets to market. It's not enough just to imagine the future, to bring an idea to fruition. We must struggle with the uncompromising realities of the physical world. We need not only knowledge, but tenacity. Dopamine, the chemical of future success, is there to deliver. So by the time the Apple computer got to market, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak had worked in their garage slaving away, slaving away, selling stuff to get money, to get parts, to buy parts, to whatever it took, they were going to do it so they could bring their much smaller computer to everyone in the market. You hear these stories over and over again. It's not overnight. But we have the power within our brains, that dopamine control center, the tenacity to keep moving forward. But it takes another little special ingredient in order to do so. And that's what makes us humans really fascinating. Dopamine and the power of confidence. We need to believe we can succeed before we're able to succeed. This influences tenacity. We have greater tenacity when we have, you know, early success. It makes us want to continue going on. And, uh, you know, they give the, the example in weight loss. So if you went to some weight loss clinic and they promised you would lose one to two pounds in 30 days, it wouldn't keep you going, would it? <laughs> but when you keep going and you lose five pounds and then 10 pounds or however much it is, kilograms, whatever it is you need to lose, want to lose, you believe you can lose, it keeps you going. It helps you move forward. Little wins. That's why the whole concept of baby steps completely works. Little wins, little wins, little wins, not instant gratification. But you have to believe, you have to have the confidence. And under normal circumstances, robust self-efficacy is a valuable asset. Sometimes it can act like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Having a confident expectation of success can make obstacles melt before your eyes. <laughs> so how does this work? Well, how does a confident expectation of success cause others to give way, even when it seems like it's not in their interest to do so? It's usually because of things that are happening outside of their conscious awareness. What do they mean by that? Well, us humans can use our 
physical presence to change how people react or think. We can do the super person pose, Wonder Woman, Superman pose, and expand our space and expand where we are. And it'll give a certain ambiance. Or we can shrivel up and make ourselves smaller. So what do these different actions mean in the big picture for us? Well, we unconsciously know when someone has high expectation of success and we get out of their way. We submit to their will the overwhelming expression of their self-efficacy, powered by controlled dopamine. Our brains evolve this way for a good reason. It's bad to get into fights you can't win. If you're picking up signals that your adversary has a high expectation of success, the odds are that this is a fight you want to avoid. And they give an example in a book about a football game where one team was way, way behind the other. And then something changed. Their belief in themselves to win changed. Their belief that they were destined to prevail, their self-efficacy was stronger that day than their opponents. Success inspired confidence. Confidence produced success. You must have that belief. You must have that belief. Planning, tenacity, and force of will through personal effort or by working with others. These are the ways control circuit dopamine lets us dominate our environment. But how do we behave and feel when the system falls out of balance? In particular, what happens when there is too much or too little control dopamine? Hmm. They give the example of Buzz Aldrin, who landed on the moon, about his outer space challenge and his inner space struggle. I mean, how do you top that? How do you top landing on the moon, right? So he wrote in his biography of his struggles with addiction, with alcohol, divorces. What was next for Buzz Aldrin? Household name. What was next for him? And unfortunately, fortunately, he did recover. He did move on. He did find meaning and purpose and belief in himself again. And it says here, it's important to remember that biology is not destiny. People whose controlled dopamine systems are at one extreme or the other can change, in his example. People with ADHD can improve dramatically with medication, psychotherapy, and sometimes just time. Colonel Aldrin, who faced a different problem, eventually found ways to harness the intensity of his creative drive. Since returning from the moon, he has written or co-written a dozen books, produced a computer strategy game, and proposed a revolutionary method of space travel that can make a crewed mission to Mars more practical. He also found time to be on TV, etc. But, you know, you have to remember or remind yourself, we are all human. And it's really important to understand these things. Because you can think of how many famous celebrities that had driven themselves into despair and even death. Because what was next? 
that's dopamine. Dopamine, it says, doesn't come equipped with a conscience. Rather, it is a source of cunning fed by desire. When it's revved up, it suppresses feeling of guilt, which is a here and now emotion. It is capable of inspiring honorable effort, but also deceit and even violence in pursuit of the things it wants. Dopamine pursues more, not morality. To dopamine, force and fraud are nothing more than tools. Oh, this is getting spicy. Winning competitions along with eating and having sex is essential for evolutionary success. In fact, it's winning competition that gives us access to food and reproductive partners. As a result, it's not surprising that winning competitions releases dopamine. It's the rush of pleasure we feel when we send the tennis ball flying over the net, get a good grade on a test, or receive praise from our boss. The surge of dopamine feels good, but it's different from the surge of here and now pleasure, which is a surge of satisfaction. And that difference is key. The dopamine surge triggered by winning leaves us wanting more, the molecule of more. (laughs) And they give a good example here, winning to keep from losing. It's not enough to win the Tour de France. It's not enough to win it twice or even seven times. They're speaking, of course, of Lance Armstrong and uh, how he took winning so seriously he was willing to cheat in order to get to it. That is fascinating. Winning is never enough. Nothing is ever enough for dopamine. It is the pursuit that matters and the victory that there is no finish line and never will be. Winning, like drugs, can be addictive. And the pursuit does matter because happiness is in the pursuit. But winners cheat for the same reason that ah, drug addicts take drugs. The rush feels great and the withdrawal feels terrible. Both know that their behavior has the potential to destroy their lives, but the desire circuit doesn't care. It only wants more, more drugs, more success. But true success doesn't come from cheating. If you make a mistake, people will forgive you. But if you act dishonestly, it will stick with you for a long time. That's why the control circuit is so important. It's rational. It's able to make cool, reasoned decisions. Ones that will maximize your welfare, not just today, but far into the future. And yet, for many people, fraud is a powerful, sometimes overwhelming temptation when chasing the high of victory. At least in the short term, fraud works. You should remember that. Think how many Ponzi schemes there are out there. Still, to this day, will we never learn? People are deceitful. It doesn't matter who they are. doesn't matter how much money they have. The dopamine is in control. And then it goes on to say, or you could just punch someone. (laughs) Force, often expressed as violence, is the ultimate tool of domination. But is it dopaminergic? Well, violence can give us domination, but to be successful, it must come from the cold circuits of controlled dopamine. (laughs) 
Yes, we are emotional creatures, and emotion is a here and now experience. It's what we feel right here, right now. Emotion is critical to our ability to understand the world, but emotions can sometimes overwhelm us. When that happens, we make less logical decisions. Fortunately, dopamine's opposition to here and now circuits can turn down the volume on emotion. In complex situations, people who have what we call a cool head, people who are more dopamagenic, are able to suppress this response and make more deliberate choices that often work better. One of our evolutionary ancestors, one endowed with a particularly robust dopamine control circuit, might respond to a charging lion by suppressing the urge to panic, and instead of trying to outrun the lion, calmly picks up a burning stick from the fire to frighten it away. When bold action is required in the midst of chaos, the one who can stay calm takes stock of available resources and quickly develop a plan of action is the one who will pull through. And that's why it's kind of important to practice patience. Because as you build this up and you're faced with adversity over and over and over and over and over again, and let me tell you, it happens every day of life. Because life isn't easy and it's not fair. So for you to practice this adversity that's going to be in your face day after day after day will help tremendously. And they give us this really great example in the book of some sailors being out to sea and the weather changed quickly and they lost their rudder and they were heading for the coral reef. And even if they jumped overboard, they were still going to die. So what could they do? And it was a nanosecond, 10-second decision. They manually adjusted the sails. They manually held onto the rudder. And they manually made it ashore. And what's really fascinating about this is in this real-life example between the interplay between dopamine and the here-and-now chemical of fight or flight, norepinephrine, when the steering mechanism broke, norepinephrine kicked in. The here and now emotion of fear overwhelmed the sailor. He just wanted to get out of the situation. At first, the initial neurochemical here and now flood displaced his dopaminergic ability to plan. Nevertheless, the fact that he could sense the panic was on the way, but was able to hold it off, is an indication that his dopamine system had not shut down completely. After only a few seconds, controlled dopamine was fully activated and he began to make rational plans. Here and now, norepinephrine was shut down and the fear receded, leaving a passionless, cerebral approach to survival. After the crisis was over and he was safely on shore, dopamine receded, leaving room for the here and now to come roaring back. And that triggered him into shaking and weeping and it was just like so he suppressed that in order to survive i love that conventional wisdom would attribute his survival at sea to running on adrenaline in fact the opposite was true he wasn't running on adrenaline he was running on dopamine during the intense moments when he saved the boat and his life Dopamine was in control and adrenaline, called norepinephrine, when it's inside the brain, was suppressed. 
And it turns out that some people are naturally better at suppressing emotion than others. In fact, they're born that way, in part because of the number and nature of their dopamine receptors, molecules in the brain that react when dopamine is released. And this difference is your genetics. It's amazing. What happens if you didn't win the genetic lottery and your emotions are out of control? Your desire dopamine circuits much stronger than your tenacity, your willpower. Well, the neurotransmitter dopamine is the source of desire via the desire circuit we talked about earlier and tenacity via the control circuit. The passion that points the way and the willpower that gets us there. Usually the two work together, but when desire fixates on things that will bring us harm in the long run, a third piece of cake, for example, <laughs> dopaminergic willpower turns around and does battle with its companion circuit. Willpower isn't the only tool control dopamine has in its arsenal when it needs to oppose desire to stop you from eating that third piece of cake. It can also use planning strategy and abstraction, such as the ability to imagine the long-term consequences of alternate choices. But when we need to resist harmful urges, willpower is the tool we reach for first. As it turns out, that might not be such a good idea. Willpower can help an alcoholic to say no to a drink once, but it's probably not going to work if he has to say no over and over again for months or years. Willpower is like a muscle. It becomes fatigued with use, and after a fairly short period of time, it gives out. So you need to exercise that muscle. You need to exercise it. You need to build it up. You need to practice, practice, practice. And it's little wins, little wins. <laughs> and this is a little reminder even to myself. Little wins. Not all at once. Not cold turkey necessarily, unless you're up for it. But little baby steps. Each one makes a difference. And it takes time. Even though it's possible to strengthen willpower, it's still not the answer to long-term enduring change. So what does work? That question is of great interest to clinicians who help people struggle, who are overcoming, overcoming addictions. And it takes, it takes a village sometimes to do that. So I won't get into the various different therapies. We're just going to talk about this molecule of more for today. The dopamine system as a whole evolved to maximize future resources. In addition to desire and motivation, which get the ball rolling, we also possess a more sophisticated circuit that gives us the ability to think long-term, make plans, and use abstract concepts such as math, reason, and logic. Looking into the long-term future also gives us the tenacity we need to overcome challenges and accomplish things that take a long time. Things like getting an education or flying to the moon. It also gives us the ability to tame the hedonistic urges of the desire circuit, suppressing immediate gratification to achieve something better. The control circuit suppresses here and now emotion, allowing us to think in a cold, rational way that's often required when hard decisions 
need to be made, such as sacrificing the well-being of one person for the benefit of others. The control circuit can be crafty. Sometimes it charges straight ahead and dominates a situation through the power of confidence. Other times it leads to submissive behaviors that induce others to cooperate with us, multiplying our ability to get things done and reach our goals. Dopamine yields not just desire, but also domination. It gives us the ability to bend the environment and even other people to our will. Manipulation, right? But dopamine can do more than give us dominion over the world. It can create entirely new worlds, worlds that may be so astonishing they could have been created only by a genius or a madman. <laughs> Are you excited for next week? I can hardly wait. It's all about creativity and madness as we continue our journey through the molecule of more, which is our dopamine, our desire, and our tenacity. We've got these two circuits that begin as one, and then they go to battle over and over again. <laughs> but helping each other out here, as you know, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychologist, I am sharing this book with the universe because the more we know about what makes us tick, the more we can all live a more inspired life. Well, if you like the show, share it with somebody you know, and hey, hit that subscribe button. You don't want to miss the genius, or is it madness, of next week. We'll see you then.